You're listening to Insights for Living with Pastor Boju Oyemade. Pastor Boju is the senior pastor of the Covenant Nation. Welcome this morning and um, we'll continue our teaching on uh, the subject, What Really Makes Faith Work. Uh, It's a faith series that we are doing and we started last week. And I'll just do a brief recap on that and uh, um, go into one or two things uh, this morning. Uh, We started out by saying uh, that faith is a very important subject in the Bible. Uh, Many people have misunderstood it because um, some along the lines, uh, people came to interpret it as a message of name it and claim it which means that a formula through which you just get things from God without any real fellowship with him. But the Bible tells us that in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it tells us that without faith, it is impossible to place God. It is impossible to place him. So anybody who is going to do anything that will be pleasing to God on this earth, it must be done by faith. The life that will be pleasing to God is a life of faith. Uh, In fact, the Bible tells us that that which is not of faith is considered as being sinful in the eyes of God. And then it goes on and tells us again in Hebrews 11, it says that by faith, the elders obtained a good report. So their report card was good because they operated in faith when they were on the earth. By it, the elders obtained a good report. It's just like saying when we're young and they'll say, well, you go and um, your parents collect your report all right, card, and they say, well, how was it? It was good. So they got a good report based on faith. So faith is, all right, very important in our work with God. In fact, the scripture tells us that the just shall live by his own faith. Now, so what's this faith we are speaking on? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, last week we looked at this, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. I like the Moffat's translation, it says, faith is given substance to the things that you hope for. Or faith is substantiating the things that you hope for. So faith is the giving of substance, causing the materialization of the very things that you hope for. So we give an example. Let's say I have a dream that I want to build a house, a particular type of house. And I can carry that dream in my heart for 10 years. And I just talk about the dream but I do nothing about the dream. And then one day I decide that I am going to give substance to this particular dream. So I go out and ask, and why do people not uh, give substance 
through their dreams because they keep making excuses, saying that the time is not convenient. And a convenience in time will never, ever, which means the time will never become convenient for any dream that God has placed in your heart. It is the necessity to get that thing done that compels action. And then when you begin to act, as they say, every other thing will align and the resources and the people to help you will start showing up. But you must take a step first. Lazy people, as described in Proverbs, it says the slothful man will not go out because he says there's a lion in the street. And he will stay on his bed and the Bible says turn on his bed as a door turns upon his hinges. It's actually in scripture. In other words, there's always an excuse. The slothful man said there's a lion in the way. A lion is in the street. It's laziness. And verse 14, it tells us that he will stay on his bed and do nothing. All right? As the door turneth upon the hinges, so does the slothful man turn on his bed and he will do nothing about his dream. The Bible says, whosoever observes the wind will never take the first step. And whosoever regards the cloud will never utilize the opportunities that are right before them. So faith is the giving of substance. I start substantiating my hope and giving it substance. Uh, what's the first way I do that? I go and ask, how much does the land cost? And then I do my own budget and realize that I've spent in the last three years, all right, on, on consumables, things that I did not need. I've spent more money than the actual amounts that I needed to buy the land or to get a land. So I begin to substantiate that dream. I put myself under some financial discipline. I tighten certain areas within my life and begin to right, save money. Now I'm substantiating it. And I do that for a period of time until I have enough and then I go and purchase a piece of land. Now I have started to give substance. So faith is always an act. Let me repeat this. Faith is always an act. Let me say this again. Faith is always an act. If we look into the scriptures, we will find out that the people of faith always did something. The Bible says Moses left. It says Abraham departed his father's house. Noah built an ark. Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Always an action. Now define what this action will be as we go on. So it tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 3 that is through a multitude of business, a dream coming through a multitude of business, which means many steps that the person will take. But a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. How do you know somebody who is not going to do anything about it? They just keep talking and talking and talking. A person who talks too much is not going to, all right, take any action. And they're justifying it just with words. And because people misunderstood the message of confession, they thought that just saying it and talking about it 
was actually, you know, a step towards the realization of it. In this message, I will show there is a difference between a confession of your hope and a declaration of your faith. That when faith is talking is different from when hope is speaking. Faith talks, all right? But faith, we'll see this, it is an affirmation of what you believe. But then when it comes to faith, we'll see that it's a declaration that is done in a certain way. So faith is always an act. And the dream will come to pass through a multitude, it says this, of business or steps. Now, so let's take this one step further here. It then tells us in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 13 and 14, it tells us that my son eats honey because it is good and the honeycomb because it is sweet to thy taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be to thy soul when you have found it. There shall be a reward. And what's it? Your expectation shall not be cut off. So it takes the knowledge of God's wisdom to know what to do. Which means it comes to pass through a multitude of business. But this is not guesswork. You have got to know what to do. For it says wisdom is profitable to direct. So we see that through the knowledge of wisdom, you are going to receive direction on the very steps that you should take in order to substantiate all that particular dream. So you have a dream and that faith which substantiates it is always an action. But it is an action which is based on obedience to the wisdom or the instructions that God has given to you concerning that particular dream. It's not just, you know, any activity where we are just guessing and trying to do several things, but it's God showing us what to do and then you take those steps and in taking those steps, you substantiate, all right, the hope that is set before you. So we say this again that hope, all right, is the dream. Faith are the steps that you take. And that's why James said, I by my works, I will show you my faith that it's impossible to demonstrate or to show faith to anybody without works. He said, but I, by my works, the steps that I take, I will show you my own faith. So a person of faith is not slothful, rolling on the bed and making excuses. They get up against all odds without, all right, the wherewithal, but they are armed with instructions from God on the steps they are to take in order for that particular thing to come to pass. That is the capital that they have, God's wisdom. For he says that wisdom is better than gold. Instructions are to be chosen than fine gold. 
It says, take hold of instruction, it is your life. Which means that when Jesus wanted to substantiate, all right, the dream that he had to feed the multitudes, all right, Philip came and said, this is the amount of money that we need. But Jesus had heard the instructions from the Father on what to do. Somebody came and said, look, let them depart. He said, they need not to depart. Go into the crowd and whatever you can find, bring. And they came back with five loaves. He knew, the Bible says, what he would do. This is the substance that entered into his heart. So what I want to show is how you get this substance or how you get, all right, this wisdom, all right, to get things done. But all things are possible with God. All right, any dream that is really inside your heart, you should start reaching for it today. Not by doing foolish things that you think, all right, will cause it to happen. But to understand that I can get into the presence of God, and this is what I want to show, and I can get the instructions from God. I can get the knowledge of wisdom. Time will never be conducive for the fulfillment of a dream. Never be conducive. All right? If it's going to be done by faith, then it has got to be done against what we're talking about, what we say, the environment and what the environment is saying. And so when people begin to talk about the environment and make excuses, the Bible says that it's a manifestation of slothfulness. And the way the Bible talks about slothfulness is different. All right? Which means someone who is making excuses. Now, so second point here. We said, uh, all right, this is what faith is. So it's a very practical thing. It's a person receiving the instructions, knowing that all things are possible, and this dream can come to pass, and I can start substantiating it now. Which means I can start downloading the instructions that I need now and start doing something about it. That's giving of substance to it. When they needed to uh, wine in the feast, Jesus received instructions that the way to do it is to fill the pots that are available and empty with water. Anything that you are reaching for, what God will tell you to do is within your reach and accessible to you. That is the beauty of God's wisdom. So never give up on any dream and it is not. Don't ever. What you need is what the Bible calls the knowledge of wisdom. I'm sure we get to it here. So, the second thing that we said last week is do not mistake your own desire for what the Bible calls hope. Now, your desire is saying something about that hope, but it is still not hope. Hope is an expectation that you have that is based on what God said to you. Let me give an example. If you desire that I should come and have lunch in your house this afternoon, it's your desire. So you sit down and say, it's my desire. Ah, you know, let's, let's just say that, um, let's just say something. Ah, Pastor likes um, 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 Liverpool. We have Liverpool plates. It's our desire that he will come one day here and, and oh, I have to just inject Liverpool into it. All right. And, and, um, and um, it's from, and it's your desire. Now, you go home and it's your desire now. Tomorrow morning you call me and say, Pastor, you owe me an apology. I say, why? 
I said, we desire that you should come to our house yesterday to have lunch, and you did not come. I said, ah, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. So I don't owe you an apology. Why? Because I didn't create any expectation. Now, but if you told me and said, we want you to come for lunch, and I said, I'll be there at 2 p.m., then with my own words, I have created what? An expectation. It is no longer just a desire. It is now what? An expectation. And the expectation has come by reason of what I said to you. Now it's an expectation. So hope is an expectation that is based on what God says to you about the things that you desire. So your desire, and we said this last week, you have to take that desire to God in prayer. And what God does is that he opens up the word and shows you things in the scriptures concerning that desire that you have in your heart. And he now creates an expectation there, which is what is called hope. So hope is not what originates in you. Hope is what God gives to you, right, by a promise that he makes to you. And then faith is the process or the steps you take for the realization of that particular expectation. So we saw in Psalm 119 verse 49 and 50, it tells us that remember thy word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to do what? Hope. So remember thy word. So if I tell you I'm coming this afternoon at 2 p.m. and I don't show up, and you call me tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., you will say, remember what you said to me after service. In other words, you won't say that it's my desire. You say, remember what you said when I met with you. You said you were going to come at 2 p.m. In other words, I created an expectation through a promise that I made to that individual. So hope is different from desire. But it's through or from our desires that we now receive hope. All right, which means you have desires on the inside of you. And then you take them to God and God says, this is the expectation here. This is what I am going to do concerning this situation. I am expanding this particular thing. It's just like you're going to meet, let's just say this, a very wealthy person and say, well, you know, I have this idea and I want you, all right, to invest in it and this is what I want to do. And he looks at it and says, call somebody into the office and says, you know what that thing we were doing? Now, all you were talking about, all right, was just uh, servicing lucky area, all right, with that particular product. And then the person calls somebody into it and says, you know what, this person that came for the meeting, I think this will be a good fit to that particular idea that we have. So what we're going to do is to expand this to the continent of Africa and we're going to give you this amount of shares in this particular. Now, what are they doing there? They are, now, he is now. This is what happens when you bring your desire to God. What he answers you with exceeds in abundant measure anything you could ask or think. Do you get what we're saying? So he creates a massive expectation inside your heart and expands it, all right, to get there. Now, so here's the first practical step. How do I get these things from the Bible? 
The answer is simple. E.M. Bounds, the spelling of that name, you may want to get his books. He has one of the strongest books on the subject of prayer. E.M. and then Bounds, B-O-U-N-D-S. He said, to have prayed well, I read this in school, is to have studied well. In other words, what he was saying was, if you pray as you ought to do, when you open the Bible to read it, you will see as you ought to see. That failure to see things in the scripture is actually a failure in the place of prayer. So what you're going to do is to carry your desire in what is called intense prayer unto God and asking him to show you in the scripture so you have an expectation. Show you in the scriptures there what this hope is. And if you pray those things through your desire, in other words, you start praying and you know, you're getting to a place where your mind is still wandering, but you're refocusing your mind and you hit the gusher and you get a release, that's the only way I can say it, in the place of prayer concerning it, so that you now get into a river, and you're just flowing in prayer, and now the thing is carrying you, you are no longer the one using your effort, it's just push, you can go on for another hour, because you've gotten to the flow, you have gotten a release concerning that thing, if you open the scriptures immediately after that kind of outpouring of the spirit into your heart, and you open it to the places in the Bible, you say where do I read, just go to where you can understand Understand. And go to where, if you can't understand Leviticus, don't go there. If you don't understand Exodus, don't go there. Go to where you will understand, where the words are simple, and take it and open up the scriptures. All right, the word will begin to speak to you. It won't take one week where the expectation will be clarified inside your heart. Now, I want to share something quickly this morning here. Romans chapter 9, concerning these verses 1, all right, let's start from verse 1 here to 3. Paul said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Why? For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now, Paul had something the Israelites were not getting saved. Paul had a strong passion for his nation. And because they had turned away from Jesus, Paul said he had continuous heaviness in his heart, or he was heavy about it, and he was experiencing continual sorrow concerning that particular thing. Now, this speaks to something in your own life. Whichever area or whatever place you are, you have that heaviness in your heart. And you're experiencing continual sorrow inside. In other words, even if it's like you started a business or something, and the things are not going at the way that they ought to go, or things are not going the way they should go, whatever it is, that is giving you, creating heaviness in your heart and causing that continual sorrow, which means you can meet with people, greet them, laugh, but there is just that thing like drops that goes into your soul 
That is the area of your next supernatural breakthrough. That is the place where the Holy Spirit wants to do a dramatic work. For nothing can be done on the outside by God if there is really no desire or passion in your heart concerning that particular thing. Then you must be involved. And somewhere there is that continual sorrow. And then there is heaviness. Something is going on. Jesus described this heaviness in John chapter 16 and verse 20. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you that you shall weep. Now, I'm trying to change this to a hope so you see something. All right, and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And you shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned to joy. Now, one man's level of sorrow might be another man's level of joy. Do you get what I'm saying? Somebody could have businesses and, and, and what really they want to do is to become global. They've conquered the city, but they want to go global. And there's continual sorrow concerning the state of that business. They are heavy in their heart concerning it. Now to somebody else who is local and says, I want to become uh, statewide or, or even citywide, uh, they look at that and say, ah, you're doing well, you're doing well. Ah, and everybody's saying, come and tell us about the keys to your success. But while they even stand there and they're sharing their sorrow, uh, something is going on inside their heart. And what I want to show that there's a yearning on the inside. There is something in their spiritual DNA that is saying what is on the outside is not match, doesn't match with what God has placed in you. This thing doesn't match. All right, other people may comment, other people may say this, but this thing still does not match. That's why success is not based on comparing yourself with others, but comparing what is happening in your condition with what is inside your heart. And even if other people are saying you are doing well and it doesn't match, that sorrow will be there. So look at what Jesus said. He said, John 16 here. He said, the world shall rejoice and you shall be sorrowful. He says, but your sorrow shall be turned to joy. For a woman when she is in travail hath sorrow because her hour has come. In other words, he's saying that that heaviness there, you're pregnant with something. But as soon as she's delivered, and that child in your spirit has to be delivered, she remembereth no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Covenant Nation. For more information, visit www.insightsforliving.org. Thank you and God bless.